And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast, a.k.a. The Warriors are 10 and 1, a.k.a. The Mitten Podcast, a.k.a. Chronicles of the Mitten, colon, Revenge of the Mitten, where we're going to start off today by talking about the league best Golden State Warriors with our three-man weave. I like this three-man weave we got going from The Athletic, Anthony Slater, and from ESPN, Mr. Nick Friedel, our guys in Oakland, or San Francisco, Oakland. I'm sorry, Oakland. San Francisco, how are you guys? Very good. They've. Uh, the, I think the Warriors have turned Eeyore. I, I'm, I'm ready for Nick <laughs> Friedel to call them the title favorites at this point. You should hear them on press row during some of these games. You will recall, the two of you, <laughs> that our order of Warriors optimism in our preseason three-man weave was Zach Lowe in the number one spot saying that they had a finals <laughs> upside. Anthony Slater in the number two spot saying they were good, maybe. And Four Friedel yeah. basically being like, trade Steph for draft picks now. <laughs> it's over. It's over. So, yes, allow me to ignore the fact that they've beaten the Thunder, the Pelicans, and the Kings a combined like nine <laughs> times and crow that the Warriors are 10-1. and one. Let me read you the specifics. Third in offense, first in defense, first in net rating by a country mile. They have played the third easiest schedule in the league, nine ho- or eight home games, I think, and whatever the remainder is, three uh, away games. So things are about to get harder. Um, Slater, I will start with you. No, you know what, Friedel? I'm going to start with you because you were Eeyore. So Eeyore, um, what has surprised you most about the way the Warriors have looked so far in tearing apart the NBA? Let me count the ways. (laughs) Because I'm sitting up there with Slater every night now, Zach, and I'm like, they're going to win tonight. And they're going to win the next night. And they're just going to keep winning for a while. But to me, it's the depth. Because... There were a lot of questions about Andre Godala and Bielitsa and Otto Porter and what Damian Lee could give them. And Gary Payton II is actually going to get rotation minutes. And every single one of those moves to date has worked. They have flipped out a roster that had Kelly Oubre Jr. not knowing where to be on the floor, Kent Bazemore making bad fouls 35 feet away from the basket. James Wiseman, who I'm sure we'll get to, not knowing where to be himself uh, on either end at times. And all these guys know exactly how to play around Steph and Draymond. And so to me, any conversation about the Warriors has to start with the depth that has been shown to date. And we haven't even mentioned Jordan Poole, who has been a little up and down, but Definitely that offensive spark plug that they're going to need in the second half of the season when Clay gets back. But that depth is there. And Slater, we talk about it all the time. When you have motivated Draymond in the fold and playing the way he is right now, that is a tough, tough group to beat. Um, Slater, let's zoom in on the offense because this team was a top five, six defense last year. They're number one in defense now. If the defense is real, like Draymond Green might still be the best defensive player in the league. These guys know how to defend. I don't know if they're going to be number one, but they're a good defensive team. Their offense was sneakily bad last season. Uh, it is still very bad when Steph Curry sits. We'll see how that looks once uh, Mr. Thompson comes back and all of that. But, uh, but their offense being third in the NBA is, I think, notable to me, given that, you know, no one thinks of Kevon Looney as some sort of force, even though he had a gazillion offensive rebounds last night against Minnesota. 
Draymond still got the backpack on, still not going to shoot, still not going to be much of a scoring force. Wiggins has kind of been eh until last night when he exploded. The spacing in some of these lineups, and we're going to talk about why I think sort of traditional spacing analysis just does not apply to this team, but it's it sometimes doesn't doesn't look great. But then you look at their shot profile. They're taking the third most threes in the league, the eighth most shots at the rim in the league. And the rim has always been the Warriors' secret sauce, right? Everyone talks about the threes, but the threes unlocking the rim because the defense has to extend itself has always been their secret sauce. They're always a good pace team. Uh, and and pace applies to them not just in transition, but they're a fast half court team, and we can talk about the ways that helps them. But is there's you're the lineup guru, you're the stats guru of the Warriors beat. Like, is there some quirk of their offense? Is there some segment of their offense you're like, wow, that that has caught me by surprise? Yeah, I think that what you know again, as you mentioned, we're going to mention the space, but there's a reason Gary Payton is averaging you know 18 points per 36 minutes right now. It's not because Gary Payton is like some dynamic offensive player. It's just he's getting dunks all the time. Uh, you know, because it's just it, it you know, Bielitsa and Porter are now spreading around Steph Curry. So uh, that has juiced it up. I think Poole uh, needs to be mentioned within this. I mean, just a secondary creator next to Steph was was so needed last year, was not there when Brad Wanamaker was basically having this role. Um, and, you know, now Poole, Poole at 31 the other night in a game that Steph Curry was basically sick and didn't play. He's had 26, 25. Um, th- he needs to be more consistently better in the non-Steph minutes, but uh, he, you know, he's just provided something that they've desperately needed. Uh, Iguodala being back just ties everything together a lot, you know, in a lot of these units. And I just think, to be honest, the coaching's been better. Uh, they've, they prioritize veterans, obviously, on the floor more often. You've seen Jonathan Kamiga for three rotation minutes all season. Uh, and I, I, they're playing Draymond smaller more often. I still think some of the problems you mentioned, like Kavon Looney's, uh, spacing crunch when he's next to Draymond Green is still there. Andrew Wiggins floating in and out of interest in the game is still there. I think we saw it in their one loss. They blew a 19-point lead to Memphis, and there were awkward moments where Kevon Looney's pump faking three times, and uh, you know Memphis is really giving them trouble. So when they play better teams, I still do think that is their Achilles heel. But I, you know, credit to the front office, credit to the coaching staff for I think building a roster that maximizes Steph and Kerr's system. I think we should have a veterans draft combine. Like we should have like 30-year-olds and 35-year-olds come back and do the combine because I want to see what Kevon Looney's vertical is. I want to see, you know, how many of the sticks he can hit when he jumps. I want to like we should do that. Are you um, trying are you trying to embarrass Kevon Looney? I th- I mean seven yeah. offensive rebounds last night. They had 17. Kev- Kevon Looney's good. And I was a Kevon Looney Isn't skeptic. He had 12. And- and the war- 12 offensive rebounds last night. Oh, then it was the other, I don't know, a lot of offensive rebounds. And just, by the way, Carl Anthony Towns, embarrassing rebounder. Just an embarrassingly bad Not a number one. Not a number one. All right, Eeyore, s- settle down, Eeyore. Get um, him out of that total This This is what time. Nick really wants to talk about today. This Nick wants to talk about the Wolves today. No, I don't want to talk about the Wolves. I just was around that team so often, and I like Carl a lot personally, but he is not a number one star on a team that's going anywhere. Make I don't want to talk move. about the Timberwolves. You know what I don't want to talk about the Timberwolves? I don't want to talk about Jaden McDaniels, the <laughs> alleged centerpiece of their Ben Simmons trade, according to some of the local media there. Can't make a freaking layup. Oh. You know how many free throws Jaden McDaniels, starting NBA player, has this season? Guess how many free throw attempts Jaden McDaniels has the whole season? Four? Three! 
Okay. Three free throws. I went high. He's two for three. Enough. That's it. No more Timberwolves talk. Um, I, I don't even know what the hell we're. Oh, Kevon Looney is fine. Like the coaching staff has been telling me for years, he's good. Stop making fun of Kevon Looney. So I've stopped. Um, just some other numbers before we dig back into it. They're twelfth in free throws uh, per shot attempt. 19th in turnover percentage, which for the Warriors, 19th is like first because they just throw the ball all over the gym. It's part of their idea. It's part of the joy. You can't have the joy without the turnovers. And they're 16th in offensive rebounding. None of those sound good, but like when you have the shooting and star power they have, to just not be bad at any of those things adds up to like some very good stuff. Interestingly, um, you know, for all the yelling and screaming, about from the fan base criticizing Steve Kerr, who's the most criticized three-time championship coach ever, probably by his own fan base, for more Curry pick and roll, more Curry pick and roll, more Curry pick and roll. Curry is running the second least pick and rolls per 100 possessions of his entire career this season. So they've leaned all the way, Friedel, to your point, they've leaned all the way even further to the sort of like Steph run around screen for people not equal opportunity, but just everyone pass and cut and make reads kind of offense. And they've, this is what you said before, Nick, they, they've found a collection of guys who can all play this way. It's, it's, they're all, Bayleitz is a smart player when he does this slow motion pump and go. Otto Porter is shooting 49% from three. He's a smart player. JTA, I'm, I'm like JTA super fan number one. I want him to play 35 minutes a game. These guys are all really smart. What they've done is essentially, They've recruited like a college basketball program for pieces that fit the way they play. It's like the opposite of what they did last year with Kelly Oubre just thinking that he would work and and Wanamaker, that didn't work, and Bazemore had his moments, but it didn't seem like the cleanest fit ever at times. But when you're, when you're watching them this year, Zach, it goes back to something that Curtis said many times. Steph with the way he's playing, has created so much space for everybody else. And that's been the case for a while when he's been healthy. But it's so much clearer now because he's hitting from all over the place. So even when he's taking these shots or or he can make that extra pass, there are two or three guys that are running at him all the time. And the difference between last year's team and this year's team, at least a few weeks in, is that they now have guys who can make those open shots or they have guys that can make that extra pass to get the next guy that open shot. Can I zoom out quick, though? Because it is there's an interesting pivot point coming with this organization. Um, you know, they did, with their veteran minimum signings, which they've hit on all of them, they, they did recorrect. But, you know, let's look at what they did in the draft with two valuable draft picks. Number two overall, James Wiseman. Man, he needs pick and roll. He does not know how to play the read and react system. Jonathan Kaminga, pretty similar. You know, he might even be a small ball big. Uh, he's an isolation player. He's he's not a natural, you know, he can make some nice passes out of the pick and roll, but he's certainly not doing pin down screens and all that. They could have gone LaMelo ball. They could have gone, you know, Davion Mitchell, Franz Wagner, guys that fit that style more. They didn't. Um, and for right now, they, I think, properly are, you know, suppressing the the lottery picks that need the developmental minutes. They're going to use Santa Cruz, but it's just, it's still coming with these two. And the fact that they don't play warrior style, Steve Kerr style basketball yet, um, you know, their minutes are going to be needed. Their development is going to be needed in this next year, two years. Obviously, people will, will bring up the trade idea, but that's not something ownership in the front office necessarily want to do. It's just interesting. 
Franz Wagner would have been an obnoxiously good fit with this style of play. Um, and Muzi Moses, Muzi Mori, Mori Moses. We'll see. We'll see. People like him. I've been optimistic what I've seen. And, and to your other point about the minimums, the downside of the one-year minimum deal is you have no bird rights on these guys. If they hit, you don't really have the means to resign them other than doing the Blake Griffin thing in Brooklyn where you just basically beg him to come back to a, a good setting, a good, a good setting. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. I want to go back, Nick. Just, you know, the KD signing in Golden State, just it's impossible to overstate how much that warped everything about the NBA, including the perception of Steph Curry. Because it just, the Warriors were so good, they were unbeatable, basically. Like, it took injuries to everybody on the roster for anyone to beat them when they had Durant. They were so good that the only interesting thing to talk about was who's the most important player on the team, Curry or Durant. And it created, and Durant being, I think, if you pulled... 30 GMs right now and ask them who's the best player in the NBA, Durant would get the most votes. Giannis would probably get second. I don't know. It's like it's one of those two guys. And I think you saw it the year after Durant left. There was this chorus of, well, now we get to see if Steph can really lead a team, if Steph can be the number one option because, you know, Steph's not 6'8", 6'9", 6'6". He's what he is. He's skinny. He's all this. And he just doesn't look the part, right? Like, Nick, all the stuff you said about it, he just runs around and guys chase him and all of a sudden people are getting dunks. That's just not how a number one option traditionally plays. Like, he runs 29 pick and rolls per 100 possessions. Luka Doncic runs 75, right? Like, that's what a number one option looked like. And I think all of that added up to a collective. And I was guilty of it too because I was asking that same question. Like, let's see what Steph does now without KD. Um a collective underestimating of how great this guy is, of how historically great this guy is. And that's what I mean by the normal rules of spacing do not apply to this team. Quinn Snyder talks about advantage basketball. That's his sort of catchphrase for how the Jazz play, which is action number one, 
pass, someone's got a head start with the ball, right? Someone's got a little territorial advantage. That guy's job is to open a greater advantage for the next guy and on and on and on until someone gets a wide open shot or a dunk or something. The Warriors like walk into every possession with a huge spatial advantage already because everybody is looking at Steph Curry. You combine that with the fact that in Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green, they have two of the smartest basketball players who have ever lived. Two guys who do not need a huge amount of space or time to begin with to make the right pass, the right cut, the right handoff, the right read, whatever. It, it just Normal rules of basketball do not apply to this team. They can thrive in tight spaces and they start every possession with this enormous advantage because Curry is so good. And I think I, I'm... I'm by the way, thank God Kevin Durant did not re-sign in Golden State. I know it's a catastrophe for the organization, but can you imagine if he was on this team now? Like, this has given us a chance to sort of reappreciate how his this guy is a historically great number one option, even if he does not look like a historically great number one option. That's what he is, and he's hammering that home. Zach, why do you think Steve Kerr looks so unbelievably happy and relaxed right now on the sidelines? Everybody keeps asking, well, what's the difference? What's the difference? He's got Steph Curry playing at an MVP level, and I know we go through it every night, but this is this is the narrative that's coming. I mean, if they keep winning and Steph's playing like this, he's going to win the MVP. There, there's nobody that's jumping him aside from maybe KD. Slater and I were talking about this at the game uh, last night. But when you look at the way Steph plays and you have Draymond and – Kerr said many times, those two have their own language. They don't even have to say a word to each other. They can just kind of look and they know what to do. And then you add Andre back into the fold. <laughs> I mean, it it's almost unfair. And by the way, Clay's coming. And Clay's, Clay's coming. coming. And and Clay is so ready to prove to everybody that he can still play. But but I don't want to get this lost in the Steph portion of the conversation. Because Steph Curry is so unbelievably aware of what is said about him, what is said about his game, what is said about the Warriors. He knows everything that's going on. And I think he took it as a personal challenge these last couple of years of hearing everybody saying, ah, I don't know if Steph's that type of player. I don't know if Steph can be that type of guy that we saw without KD. And he kind of went, okay, I'll show you guys. And guess what? He has. I think the Curry's age um, later, or, or their primes might be later than than other people. I've talked to Del Curry about this. Del Curry was hitting threes till he was like thirty seven. Um, Seth Curry right now seems to be like entering his prime potentially. I mean, he's what's Seth now thirty thirty one, and this is the best he's ever been. And and with Steph, to be honest, I mean, it, it's the way he's conditioned himself and the way he works in the off season. But um, I think there's a, there's a strong belief. Uh, around Steph, around the team, but really around the people that 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 make Steph who he is, training wise. That that this is like mid prime Steph Curry, even though he's thirty three, thirty four right now. And I mean, the evidence on the court would suggest he might be right. Slater, I'll ask you this since you brought him up. If they're winning, they're not going to win at this level all season. But if they're winning, if they're number one in the West and they're just rolling, what do they do with Wiseman? I think they're going to start him in a smaller role. Uh, I think, look, you mentioned like the non-Curry minutes still are not spectacular offensively. Um, I think that they are going to prioritize Wiseman pool pick and rolls, try to separate Wiseman from Curry and Draymond at the start to see what kind of James Wiseman that they have. And I think the idea is 
win more minutes, James Wiseman. Come in, you know, get settled, uh, have them in simple actions that, again, are going to be more pick and rolls than, than the Warriors are currently running. Uh, you know, maybe take some of Bielitz's minutes. Maybe take some of Gary Payton the second's minutes, which no, uh, at this point... No, yeah, no, We need no to get to a segment Gary on Payton's Gary Payton's minutes if I have anything to do with it. Yes. I mean, but the idea is, look, they drafted a center second overall two drafts ago. He needs to take Kevon Looney's job. By the way, Gary, Gary Payton the second. I said, I remember the podcast I did. It was in the bubble. Well, I wasn't in the bubble. The bubble hadn't happened. It was before the bubble where I was picking my all-defense teams. It was with Chris Herring, who's now at Sports Illustrated. And I said, just as an aside, I wish Gary Payton II had played more minutes for the Wizards because he might be the best defensive guard alive on earth right now. Like, he's that good defensively. And if he's giving you anything on offense, and to, your, to our point about spacing, Slater, you highlighted this play uh, in your column today on the Wolves game. I had noticed it in the Hawks game before. They're running this beautiful Steph GP pick and roll where Andre lifts up and they trap Steph. Steph kicks to Andre. Andre lobs to Gary Payton Jr. It's like an old Mike D'Antoni shorting style play. It's a beautiful play. And they just like, those are two. Let's be honest about Andre. Uh, Andre's four of 20 on threes this year. He's a bad shooter right now. Gary Payton's a bad shooter. Those are two bad shooters. You shouldn't be able to have a great offense with two bad shooters. But when you have Steph and that much IQ, it works. Yeah. You know, it's actually a JaVale McGee play. Uh, They used to use it with JaVale back in the dynasty days. Um, But, and, you know, that tells you that can be a James Wiseman play. You know, a lot of times it's a big guarding Payton. I mean, James Wiseman could come up, do kind of that flip. It's a kind of a fake high screen roll and then like James Wiseman hammers dunks he 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 was uh he had the most dunks of any rookie last season and despite only playing 39 games I understand that there was disastrous Wiseman moments but he provides uh, you know a lob threat that we thought they didn't have until suddenly they found a point guard that can dunk about you know four lobs a game but there are uh there's an opportunity for him to to fit into a smaller role um, but at the same time he's got to survive defensively if he can be capable defensively suddenly I think you know, like Kavon Looney, again, I don't want to get into a Kavon Looney bash session after he just had his best game in what probably a year, but that job can be taken. If James I think they want James Wiseman to come back and take that job because they're not gonna gift it. They've they've shown this season it's not about gifting young minutes, but he's gotta go take it if he's really the number two overall pick in a draft, which by the way, number one, Anthony Edwards just had forty eight last night against the Warriors, and number three is obviously Lamelo Ball. Like they need Wiseman to show something like pretty early. Uh, wrap up the offense really quickly. If you look at the tracking data, there's there's no shooting luck involved in the Warriors being this good on offense. They're, they're shooting pretty well, but as expected, given their frequency of shots at the rim. Um, and one of the things about their pace, you mentioned the Draymond Looney fit. When they when they they are the fourth fastest team in the league off of made baskets. And what that means is if Steph and Draymond can get into a pick and roll early in the shot clock when Looney is still trailing behind the play. Looney spacing issues don't matter because this guy's not there, and you see that you see that a lot. Um, the other, th- let's flip to the defense real fast. If there's a stat that I look at and say, "Whoa, that's interesting," that's the difference between good, fun Warriors and potential final ceiling Warriors that I talked about before the season. It's seventh in defensive rebounding. Steve Kerr has talked about this for years and years and years. We're not going anywhere until we rebound. We're a small team. we got to rebound. You look up and down the roster. Curry's rebounding at a career-best level. Otto Porter, Bayalitza, Looney's rebounding is off the charts. I don't know if either of you have any insight into like how and why this has happened, if they are doing anything interesting. But the difference between 
Seventh and 25th in defensive rebounding is X points a game, X wins per season, X percentage of playoff equity. It's massive. How are they doing this? They, um, Steve Kerr, I mean, I asked about this the other day. They were actually number one for a little while. Um, I know. Yeah, yeah. So he said, Otto Porter does not miss a box out. Andre Iguodala does not mix a, miss a box out. And and they have this shell, right? You know, defensive rebounding a lot of times is about a shell and they don't allow leaks in the shell. And the idea is they just have a bunch of high IQ players that don't care who gets the rebound. It's the reason why Steph can kind of slip in and get, what is he averaging, like seven a game right now? It's not because he's just some monster skying for rebounds. It's just that they're keeping guys off the glass and Steph will slip in and get the rebound and push the break. Um, I think we, you know, they were fifth in defense last year, but it was kind of artificial. I mean, they, what their rating was not like actually that good. It's just nobody in the league's rating was that good. Um, so maybe we overinflated that number. And also uh, when we talked about, you know, how the high IQ uh, improvement helps offensively, I think we underestimated how much it helps defensively. They're fouling less and they're just they're just playing a smarter style, absorbing the scouting report better, boxing out. And, and it's leading to, to stats like that where, you know, there's a lot of subliminal like Kelly Oubre like shade within a lot of these comments. But the reality is like, you know, Kelly Oubre's freelance and Kent Bazemore's doing his own thing. Uh, and they just don't have a lot of that this year. And I think that really helps. them. I'd add this real quickly too, Zach. When you listen to the younger guys on this roster, night after night, we sit in these press conferences. There is a reverence for Draymond and Andre Iguodala. I still think that everybody's like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're playing with Steph Curry. But Steph is this generational talent. Nobody's ever seen anybody like him offensively. The young guys and even like the Otto Porters and, and Bielitsas, they, they get up there and they're like, yeah, Andre and Draymond, they just know everything. They know where to be. Moses Moody, the rookie swingman, he got up there a week or so ago and he says, Andre quizzes us and he asks us questions that we know that he knows the answers to, but he wants to make sure that we know the answers so that we know where to be on the floor. So when you have Draymond, who really wants to be the defensive player of the year again, and you have Andre, who at this stage of his career, he doesn't care what's happening aside from the fact that they're winning and he knows exactly where to be drilling into all these younger guys what needs to happen day by day, especially in this system and especially on the defensive end. You have this machine that just continues to uh, try and reinvent it itself with a whole new batch of players with these unbelievable teachers at the top. Well, that's the thing. All the stuff we said about their IQ on offense, it translates to defense. They read your actions one step ahead. When they were trapping Trey Young a couple nights ago, they didn't mess up the rotations behind those traps. They, they helped, they recovered, they X'd out, they did all the stuff you're supposed to do. Like a lot of defense is not making mistakes. They don't make mistakes. They have two of the smartest defensive players of all time on their team. They don't, and, and IQ across the board. Let's wrap up uh, with this way. I will go around to both of you, and their schedule is obviously about to get harder. They're about to go on the road. So I want to know uh, one thing whether it's a lineup thing, a statistical trend, whatever, that you're like, hmm, I'm curious what this looks like in the next 10 games. I will go first. For me, it's they're allowing the third most threes in the league on defense. We've seen a lot of teams be elite defenses in the last three or four years allowing a lot of threes. They're they're not allowing a ton of wide open threes according to the tracking data. So I'm just curious, like, does that keep up? Do opponents go on a hot streak or are they are they leaning towards this mythical allowing the quote-unquote 
right three. So that's mine. Slater, what's yours? I'm going to give Gary Payton a second a little segment because I was promised a, a young glove mitten segment, whatever you want to call it. Um, they are plus 95 in his 129 minutes. Uh, I'm sorry, off- say, say, say that again? They are plus 95 in his 129 minutes. That Let's is an start off- the, the mitten MVP campaign is starting right now. <laughs> that is an offensive rating of 122.7 and a defensive rating of 88.7. And James Wiseman's going to take this guy's minutes? That is my point. Um, you mentioned the next 10 games. Like James Wiseman's getting closer. James Wiseman is going to probably do some practicing, some scrimmaging with Santa Cruz while, while they're on the road trip. So you won't see Wiseman on the road trip. But I think right when they get back from this four-game road trip, you know, Wiseman is coming. And, nope. and I won't have it. I won't <laughs> have it. Gary Joe, Payton, La- Joe Lacob wants to have a conversation with you. Well, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure he does. Uh, Gary Payton II is West Coast and more exciting Bruce Brown. That's what Gary Payton II is. So I don't want to hear about this Wiseman taking care. I, I, I'm saying this in jest. Obviously, they're going to give Wiseman a chance. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Friedel, what about you? To me, we started the conversation, at least in my mind, about the depth on this team. I'm curious to see how that translates on the road against tougher opponents. I want to see how the Damian Lees and the Bielitzas and the Porters perform against tougher competition in environments that that aren't as friendly. Because, as you said, they, they knocked off the Thunder twice. They played the Kings. They've had... Uh, game against the Rockets. They've beaten some terrible teams, the Pelicans. Let's see how this group does and whether or not they can play the same way on the road that they have at home. An eight-game homestand is a really nice break. It pumps them up for whenever Clay and Wiseman eventually return. But can that depth that has been so solid to start maintain itself once they start traveling against better competition? All right, that's a, those are great ones to look at. Um, this was a long Warriors segment, but when you start 10-1 and one and you have a generational superstar killing it, you get a long segment. So I, I love both of you, the way you guys cover the team. I, I love this three-man combination we got going. Let's reconvene maybe in the middle of the season and see where they are. Anthony Slater, you can read all of his stuff at The Athletic. And Nick Friedel, of course, is a member of our ESPN family. Thank you, guys. Enjoy, uh, enjoy California. Thanks, bud. Nick gets to be Winnie the Pooh on this one, right? Yay, all right. That's nice. (laughs) The Low Post fans, listen up. Have you heard you can listen to episodes of this very show ad-free on Amazon Music included with your Prime membership? That's right. All your favorite The Low Post episodes can be heard on Amazon Music ad-free. But that's not all. You can listen to other top podcasts like First Take and Pardon the Interruption ad-free as well. They also have favorite shows like The Daily, Part of My Take, and Up First, all without ads. You know what this means, uninterrupted listening, so no more cliffhangers. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts, so we know they definitely have something for you. And it's already included in your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free, or go to Amazon.com slash low. That's Amazon.com slash low to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? 
full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Let's bring in one of my favorite guests, my teammate on NBA Today, WNBA All-Star, All-Around Stud, Chinea Gwumake. Chinea, we're going to play a game. Are you ready? How are you? I love playing games. I'm very competitive. Well, this isn't a competitive. We're not competing against each other. This is just a made-up game for a Wait, podcast. So, don't, aside, so settle down. What does your jumper look like, Zach Lowe? My jumper? Yes. It's pretty nice. I, I, can, I can pass and I can shoot. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to do any of the dirty work. I have no handle and I don't want to do it. So what I could be is like a really, really bad version of old man Jason Kidd where I just stand okay. at the three-point arc and shoot and pass, and but but without any defense or toughness at When's all. When's the last I don't time want you played? Part. Oh, God. I'm, I'm 44. Like, I, if I run around the block, <laughs> my shins hurt. So, like, it's Does been a while. Does that mean you're a Pelotoner? Are you a Pelotoner? I, I have a knockoff Peloton that I use uh, quite a bit. And I watch NBA Today sometimes because oh, I yeah. want to get a feel for how the show looks. And, and I don't want to miss any episodes okay. of Malika Andrews' wonderful show. Okay, here's the game. Are you ready? No. Oh, yes, well, I'm just that, being – That's I'm a just, problem. Yeah, I'm born ready. I stay ready so I don't have to get ready. Okay, here we go. Hashtag stay ready. <laughs> All right, I gave you a list of random teams – that I haven't talked about much yet on the podcast that I want to get to because I think they're all interesting. You have the list of teams. Reach into the random low post podcast with Shanae Gwumake grab bag. Grab out a team and let's talk about the team. You get to control the podcast, I'm Shanae. I'm so disappointed in you. You had an opportunity to say, Shanae, go deep into your bag. But you didn't. But it's okay. I forgive you. Again, I will I will say that I'm a 44-year-old man. I, know, I don't say I know, things I don't say I things like that. I can't say things like that. If I tried I to, you would laugh at me. Say it. No, I'm not going to say <laughs> it. Just pick a team, please. Don't embarrass me on my own podcast. The Wizards. I want to start with the Wizards and I know you have talked about them, but I still think they're super fascinating and I may be a little biased, Zach. So, can we talk about the Wizards for a second? Yes, so I had all the Wizards fans, why isn't anyone talking about the Wizards? Why does every team get a love fest except the Wizards? So Wizards fans, go back to last week, before all the love fest started about the Wizards, Jeff Van Gundy and I had Jeff Van Gundy, you might have heard of him. We had a love fest about the Wizards early last week, so bring your complaints up another tree, not here, but Cheney, the Wizards are leading the Eastern Conference a week and a half after that podcast, had an incredible come from behind Kyle Kuzma-led win over the Cavs uh, last night on a 13-game wild NBA Say that night. one more time. Say, say that one more say, time. Kyle say your piece. <laughs> say your piece about the Wizards. I think it's fascinating because, all right, and apologies, y'all, because I'm doing this podcast from the office that I have hijacked at LAPC uh, after doing NBA Today. So if you hear some other things, that's exactly what's going on. The reason I want to start there is because it's a little personal for me. This is a team that had very limited, low expectations that are super uh, is it, yeah, the word superseding such expectations. And it to me, it starts with Spencer Dinwiddie. 
I've got to know Spencer. And the first time I actually met him was through some kind of like investment stuff. He like reached out to my agent, Allison Gaylor, and was like, hey, and I love it. He's always been inclusive about hoop is hoop, no matter who's playing. And so he had like some kind of, you know, he's very brainy, acky uh, types of, oh, we're, I'm going into this business. Are you interested in this? To sort of connect on. And then we realized we have the same osteopath, Fabrice Gautier out here in LA, same massage therapist, Barons Betos, top of the line, like guys that have worked. I mean, he's the French national team. Uh, basically, you can say like physician slash trainer. And so I've got to see Spencer up close and personal, and I got to see the masterpiece. And there's certain humans, Zach, and I know this is probably a woman's point of view because your girl's out here 29 in Los Angeles, but there's certain people that you see when they're training, you're like, good Lord. Like I had that type of vibe when I saw Rudy Gobert training because of his build, his frame, his physique, how intense he is, meticulous he is. I've seen that up close and personal. I've seen the same with Spencer Dinwiddie. And to me, uh, the dedication he has had to his recovery is a testament to how well he's performing right now and being that perfect complementary piece to Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell sort of having this, you know, what is it, revenge? I don't like saying revenge, but revenge season. I Why? like that. What's wrong with revenge? Revenge is great. I would love to get revenge on people. Yeah. And that's the same thing for Kuzma because people know when things go wrong for Kuzma, that's amplified with a megaphone. But when things go right, people are going to be quiet. Like, oh, you know what I mean? But the thing that shocks me the most, Zach, all right, their defensive rating, fourth best in the NBA. Defensive rating, fourth best in the NBA. I think we talked about on NBA Today that like the past few seasons, they've like not been better than 21 or so. And so to have a group of players that are playing hard and also like that translating defensively has sort of has me a little bit of shook. And I think like and I was going deep into the vortex looking into the Wizards. I think it's also fascinating when I think they're the best at like defending the rim currently, but then also really great at defending the three. So they force you into the hardest twos, which is the best shot to force you into. And to me, that just shows you buy in defensively and then complementary offense. So I, I really like it, And I'm sorry, you know, I'm going riffing because I love to go everywhere. These rule changes in the NBA that have brought defenders back to the forefront have also brought defensive teams to the forefront. And that's why we're seeing a number of those high in the standings, including the Wizards. So that is my spiel on them. So the Wiz, the Wiz surged on defense toward the end of last season. I kind of dismissed it as like fake late. You never know what's going to happen in late in the NBA season. Half the teams are not trying anymore. Like, I don't know. I kind of dismissed it. Well, you nailed it. They give up the fewest threes in the league and the seventh fewest shots at the rim in the league, and the most mid-range jumpers in the league. Yeah. So by hook or by crook, whatever that phrase means, Wes Unsell <laughs> Jr. has these guys allowing the exact right shots. And like that's step one to being a fundamentally sound and good defense. And by the way, Bradley Beal, 40% shooting, 25% from three. We haven't seen real Bradley Beal yet, but they've just got a lot of unsung here. We haven't seen Hachimura at all. We haven't seen mm -hmm. Thomas Bryant at all. He's not coming back for a while, I don't think. Um, I think this team, look, are they going to win the East? No, but clearly they were in my maybe if things hit right, they'll be seventh or eighth or ninth tier. We've got another team in the entrant for escape the play-in tournament by finishing in the top six in the East because I don't see... I don't see much about what Washington is doing right now that is like super, super fluky. Agreed. It's it's fundamental basketball. Play great defense, force the toughest shot, 
play complementary offense and have some dogs. And they have some dogs. I love it. Uh, Montrez Harrell, I, I've called him before. He he. Look, you can you can quibble with what happens to him in the postseason. It seems like it goes awry. Let's be polite for him in the postseason every year. He's one of the great regular season innings eaters in the NBA. He just throw him out there. He plays hard. Yep. He'll he had twenty five and fifteen I think last night. He gets you twenty points semi regular. He's just a good regular season. Oh my God! It's third game in five nights. Our opponent's kind of tired. Here comes this guy and roaring and screaming off the bat. And by the way, what does he do? As someone who can't dunk, obviously <laughs> I can't dunk. I need. To, he does the like the really quick pull up on the like snap on the rim. It's the coolest dunk like routine. And cool. what what is the term for this? Can how can I learn to do it on an eight foot rim? Is it like quick flush? Like you know what I mean? Quick flush, like. Shh. But he does. He does that. He also does that where he just holds the ball over and then drops, and then it, drops like it like a water yeah. balloon. Oh, but I'm like talking about when he grabs, he grabs the rim and kind of shakes himself on it and then jumps off. It's very cool. He's a very stylish finisher around the rim, Montrezl. Well, this I is have, a very important analysis for the people. I have, I have very limited experience dunking. Okay, I've, my first time I dunked was high school with a volleyball. Can occasionally do it, but the way this girl's set up, I'm trying to not put too much load on my body. But I say that to say. With Montrez, I like it because the quicker you are on the rim, the less impact it has on your hands. Because some people forget if you land the dunks the wrong way, it can hurt. I know these guys are used to dunking, but it's like those quick little ones are like probably like sure bets. Like, okay, I'm good. And I, I'm in and out. Like nothing lingers. Now, I will say about Montrez, myself being an undersized post, I am currently Zach in studio. I'm like, I'm pretty tall. You, We, we joked because it wasn't your wife that said like, why are you standing next to Chanae on all our LEDs? <laughs> because I'm in heels. So I'm about like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, in heels, normally around 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, and my experience as an undersized post in the WNBA where most posts are like 6'5", plus, I've realized that the most, uh, the more I can touch the ball when it's loose in the air, whether it's an errant pass or an offensive rebound, if I can reach and touch it, you're going to grab more, more balls because you start having a feel and rhythm for where they land. Montrez has that gift. Undersized, reaches out, he's always leaning to try to touch a ball. He may not get it nine times out of 10, but that 10th time is gonna be a big bucket. Or that'll give him you know, that third game in five days energy boost because those buckets are easy because you are naturally putting yourself in position to be successful. And so when I see him, I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I try to do. Touch every ball in my vicinity, even if it's not coming my way. And that's, I, that's what I've always respected about his game. I'm afraid to ask you this question. Have you ever seen the movie Fletch? <laughs> nope. Have you ever heard of the movie Fletch? <laughs> nope. This is a really. Jack, this is a really uh, Zach terrible. is like took his cap and put it over his face, like his eyes. This is really terrible. So, so Fletch is a comedy um, starring Chevy Chase as a newspaper reporter. I've heard of Chevy and Chase, he, of course. He dreams of playing for the Los Angeles Lakers in the movie, and he has a dream in which he has a clown afro on his head. And then I don't know if it's Lawrence, actually Lawrence Tanter introducing him, but he says, you know, it's, it's six, three, but six, nine with the afro Fletch. And <laughs> you're, you're six, two, six, five in heels. Yep. Reminded me of Fletch, which you haven't heard of. Have you heard, have you heard of, have you heard of Bill Hader from SNL? Yes. Have you heard of his Stefan character from SNL's weekend update? Yes. I made a Stefan reference on NBA Today the other day, and Perk and RJ did not get it. Nobody got it, and I was just left there to die 
on the air and I'm like, am I really this out of time? Anyway, okay, enough. I, I'm just, Pick I would another- say the, the Stefan we know is probably the one uh, uh, that switches from, what's that nerd from uh, that show? Stefan? Urkel, there we go. Urkel to Stefan. That's the Stefan I grew up on. Oh, well, of course we know Stefan Urkel. I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, the, 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 alt, the alter ego, the alter ego of Steve <laughs> Urkel. Jaleel, Jaleel, shout out Jaleel White. Yes. Um, give me another team from the Chine grab bag. Uh, you know, flying under the radar with a better record than most, uh, the Mavericks. Now, I know they did just come off of a loss, but for a team, Zach, that has been shooting so poorly, I think their starting five is shooting like 30% from three, uh, shooting poorly to start the season holding it together by pieces defensively. Luca, not as efficient at the moment. To be 7-4, and four, that's not too bad without Porzingis. I have no idea what to make of this team. <laughs> they're 7-4, they're, they're and, and they're minus 33 for the season. That's, like, that's hard to do. Um, and they're 22nd on offense, 19th on defense, I, and I just watch them. They just they 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 are so lethargic sometimes. They and they start games so slowly. They had to put Jalen Brunson in the starting lineup for a couple games. He's having a sensational season, and I just don't quite. I came into the season high on the Mavericks, thinking if there were a sneaky under the radar team that could crack through this window with Kawhi hurt and Jamal Murray hurt and maybe make like a surprising finals run. It was this Mavericks team that pushed the Clippers to the limit, two straight playoffs, and when the Clippers were among the very, very elite teams in the league, may well have won the championship last year had Kawhi Leonard not gotten hurt. And I just, now I look at this team and I'm like, I just don't know what to, Luka looks like by his standards, you know, he'll play himself into shape. He doesn't quite look right. Porzingis is so just up and down. Just now getting back, yeah. He's so up and down and, and. You know, they're starting Powell and Porzingis together, which I don't mind, but I still feel like, well, the future of this team on the one hand should be Porzingis at the five with four perimeter players around him and just Luca Porzingis pick and roll over and over again. Mm-hmm. But he just he still doesn't look like a guy who I can trust to anchor the defense as a center. And it just still feels like they're just I, I, I still don't have the Dallas Mavericks five-man lineup that has enough offense-defense balance that like I can I really think they've found their identity to win three straight playoff series. That said, it's early, and you could be the optimist the other way where it's like, well, they're 7-4 and four and they haven't played well. They banked these wins. What's going to happen when they hit their stride? So maybe I should yeah. choose to be optimistic, but they, they just seem so meh right now. Yeah, and, and just getting... You know, pursing his back, it's like, all right, we got to reacclimate. I think it's fascinating. We're not surprised that Luca is number one, I believe, in the NBA in usage rating. Like, not surprised at all. But at some point, it's like that has to have diminishing returns, right? For any star in this league to leading usage, whether it is Damian Lillard, LeBron James, like you have to be concerned. So getting a running mate back is great. But that's why I was like surprised seven and four dealt with a period without their star interior player. But I, I sort of a couple years ago was like, okay, with the pieces they're building, I expect what we're sort of seeing from the Chicago Bulls now. Energy, enthusiasm, you know, but I do think Luca bends based on his talents, the, the ability for them to figure it all out in real time. And they haven't had that consistency. So they are, they are, they are in my head. I'm, 
I'm very optimistic on them because I'm friends with Dwight Powell. See, uh, I stay for days. I'm I'm pessimistic now compared to how I was, but it's it's a long season. They will play their way into gear. Um, but you know, it's interesting you mentioned Luca's usage because there's this endless debate in the league and among Mavericks fans, and it was it became a flashpoint issue once Jason Kidd got hired because you knew Jason Kidd was going to try to democratize the offense a little bit. And you see them, yeah. they call these pin downs for Tim Hardaway to come shoot long twos and Lucas mm-hmm. stands at half court pouting like a little kid um, and doing nothing, just standing there while Tim, Tim Hardaway Jr. shoots. And you get like, why are you not just running Luca pick and roll over and over again? And then you look at the numbers, you know what the numbers tell you, Chanae? What do they tell you? Luca's time of possession is up. Yes. Luca's pick and rolls per 100 possession is up from last year. So, you know, he's still running a ton of the offense. I will say if I throw up in my mouth a little bit every time Luca runs a pick and roll with Powell or Boban or Cauley Stein or who's ever out there. And Porzingis is like, you know what? Now's the time where I'm just going to meander over to the elbow and call for the ball in the post, not even in the post, at the elbow, and just be in the way instead of being where I should be. I just, it, But I don't know. There's just something. You know when you watch a team and there's just like something missing? Right now there's just something missing with the Mavs despite their record. And I, and I hope they find it because they, they have the roadmap to be a pretty dangerous team. And it starts with the, like a guy who is – He's proven it in the playoffs. He's a killer. Yeah, I agree. All right, that's enough Mavs. I guess they just left a bad taste in my mouth. The energy gap between the Bulls and the Mavs last night in Chicago was like palpable through my screen. The Bulls, just a delight. They're going to be better than I thought they were going to oh, yeah. be. They're throwing out loops. They're getting steals. Caruso's getting steals, diving on the floor. Get You're well, uh, Nikola Vucevic, who's out in health and safety protocols now. Okay, Chennai, pick, uh, reach into the grab bag and pick me out something interesting okay i really love talking about this team because people are passionate about the clippers i really love it streaking clip joint paul george stepping back into i'm the man i'm the man uh that we saw back in indy and for a second in okc and now he knows what it's like to be number one and i just like what they're doing and uh, i was i think the last game was the last game that i went to at staples center was the Clippers beating the Blazers. And I was just so impressed. Like, they're having a good time. They're getting, you know, good production. You know, guys like Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann, like, they'll flex and then look at the bench. Like, talking when you talk about energy from, like, Chicago and, and teams that are doing things, I like what, what, what L.A. has done, the Clippers. So, uh, and I think he – isn't Paul George the reigning Western Conference Player of the Year? I think so. Oh, Player of the Year. Player of the, player the week. week. Player, player of the, the week. week. Yep. And, he, and speaking of usage rates, he has the – highest usage rate of his career right now. Obvious reasons, but it's just good to see his team rally behind him. So, again, I'm here for the Clippers. Yeah, I was I was, um, I was, was always a Paul George defender. I, I predicted a Paul George revenge tour last season, speaking of revenge again, after he was christened Pandemic P, which I actually did think was was quite funny. It was very um, funny. Oh. And, and I'm, so I, I think Paul George is the boss. I've said it a billion times. He's playing great. So the Clippers are on a, I'm glad you brought them up. They are on a five-game winning streak going into tonight's game against the Heat, who will reportedly be without Jimmy Butler. We are taping this at 5 Eastern, so the Clippers could lose once this podcast goes up. I have no idea. They're on a five-game winning streak. Are you ready for some numbers on the Clippers? Oh, I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah, let's go. 19th on offense, which is my worry about them going into the season was 
I just think it's a lot to ask of Paul George plus role players to have an above average offense in the NBA, particularly for a team that was really, really dependent on like incredible jump shooting last year. And they have not been able to duplicate that jump shooting yet. They're okay. They're just not like off the charts great. But the shocker, the shocker, second in defense. Mm. And look, I, I, can, I can give you some reasons why that is they have some interesting um they have some interesting things they can do personnel wise uh but they are getting a little lucky they give up a lot of threes and the third most shots at the rim uh in the nba and they're holding d teams to an incredibly low percentage on shots at the rim so i'm expecting a little bit of regression but look this team has a lot of long fast smart rangy wings who like fly around yep. you feel like you've got them in trouble and then two or three passes later you're like oh god we're, we're in trouble the shot clock's running down we haven't shot yet they have a good energy about them when you're bringing like man and off the bench batum is now starting for marcus morris who's hurt they just got a lot of guys who run around zubats has rebounded after kind of a slow start so i i don't know exactly what this team is but when they were one and four i was worried I'm impressed how they've rallied, and I, I'm just interested to see sort of what they, they've, they've, they've had an average schedule, so it's not like they've had an easy schedule. They've got some good wins under their belt. And they're getting Ibaka back, which he's someone that plays with that same intensity that a lot of their switchable wings have on the perimeter, and you highlighted it perfectly. Like, being a switchable team in the NBA right now is the best thing if you can make it work defensively. That's why the Miami Heat are great defensively. That's why the Bulls look really good, uh, having mobile bigs as well. And that's what's helping the Clippers, who are also fourth most, I believe, per game in steals. And those easy buckets in transition help complement, like you said, Zach, when you have shooting woes or you're trying to get you – know, like those little things add up. And, and lastly, I'll say this, Zach. Paul George, I know a lot of people feel some type of way about him, especially when it comes to the playoffs. But to be able to persevere, step into the scenario, and I like these early matchups with the Blazers where we get to talk about the previous tenure of Chauncey Billups. Now he's going up against, you know, his former assistant coach, who's now the head coach, and how – because I was there when uh, Ty Lue and Chauncey dapped up at the arena, and it was cool. And I started following the stories about how – Paul George and Chauncey used to talk about how, as a player, to be elite, you have to know exactly what the defense is giving you and then also anticipate the next step. And that sort of kept him on his toes as a player so that he can deal with the ebbs and flows of how a season progresses, especially without Kawhi. So this Clippers team, I know it's like the most, Zach, the most trouble I got from NBA fans was when I got a free jersey from the Clippers, was it, two years ago? And I took a picture. I was like, oh, this is awesome. They put my name on the back. And I was like, no, this is the Lakers town, the Clippers. The, the energy. Is that your impression of a general NBA fan? That's that's your, like, generic <laughs> fan? They talk, they bellow like that? I got so many people saying, oh, you're, you're a spark, or this is Lakers town. Like, why are you wearing the Clippers? But I find them quite endearing. And I and I will say, I'm a I'm, I'm I'm an unbiased NBA analyst and also player and support LA athletes. And I like what the Clippers are doing right now defensively. I like what Paul George is doing, leading, you know, the charge and giving us when we see numbers like a team that's fourth in steals and defensively, I think you said, was it second now in defense? His best years were when he was all NBA defensively. And so you're seeing a convergence of 
bringing out the best shades of him and that impact being, uh, and I, I think you got mad at me when I said contagious because we're not allowed to say that anymore. Uh, last time we chatted, but it is. It just is. It just. It just. It makes my blood. It makes my blood boil and my spine shudder. Now that word, the word infect, it's the it's, same thing. It can't never be the same. So when you say the Clippers are endearing, are you saying streetlights over spotlights? Oh, you funny! You talking L- about the billboards? L A L A R way. L A. That was a real. That was a real big hit until the Nuggets were like, "L A. Your way. How about we kick your ass right out of the bubble in increasingly humiliating fashion?" That Goodbye. Worked. That um, So, so you mentioned Ibaka. I, I'm worried about Ibaka. I hope it just is taking time for him to come back from his back injury because he looked rough. He looked rough uh, last season in the playoffs when he had a cameo. He looks He's 0-5 from the field so far. He looks rough. You know who doesn't look rough? Luke Walton All-Star. That's a column I read every year today. <laughs> Luke Walton All-Star. 2021 Luke Walton All-Star. Isaiah Hartenstein. He's good. And I wrote in that column, he's a really good passer. He overpasses. They're plus 17 per 100 possessions with Hartenstein on the floor. They're plus nine per 100 possessions with no center on the floor. And they're re- that's their trump card in the playoffs when they get there. Just mothball the centers if they have to. But my worry about them is no matter how you break down the lineups, they their offense is just eh. Like no matter how you split it, on court, off court. The one thing I will say is they should play as few minutes as possible with both Reggie Jackson, who's had a nice season from three, surging now. He was cold before. And Paul George on the bench. Without without both of those guys, they just have some trouble generating offense. They're like minus twenty almost per one hundred possessions. But I, I uh, like that I just, Hartenstein though, because you know when you he's go to, good. when you go to games and you're like, Hold up, who's that? It's like he so far he's like first team all first impression. I was like, Oh snap. Like, okay, I mess with you a little bit. I look, Serge Ibaka, it's gonna sound crazy given their respective pedigrees. He's going to have to win those minutes back because Hartenstein's playing well, and they're playing well when he's on the floor. Um, Their starting lineup has not been good, primarily because Bledsoe has not been good. It'll be interesting to see if they tweak that. But they're they're a deep, fun team. And look, I don't know what's happening with Kawhi. I just know that everyone on the record keeps leaving the door just a little bit open. Just a little bit open. And to me, all that does is give every Clippers regular season game between now and when and if he returns a little more importance. Because if they hang in, if they hang in, again, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. Let me be clear. No idea. But they keep, they're not shutting the door. The door keeps being cracked slightly ajar, which just makes me hope, hope, not think, hope that if we get to game 55 or game 60 and their fourth, fifth, sixth hope of escaping the play-in, that all of a sudden we start to hear maybe, maybe. Because I'll tell you, this you add Kawhi, even if it's 80% of Kawhi, because that's what happens sometimes with ACL tears, this team is really, really good. So I want, I, you know, you it's easy to throw these regular season games away. And there's like, oh, you lost a couple in a row, who cares? Like if every one of them to me has a little bit of extra importance. I agree. I agree. Uh, I've got some other teams, but I'm afraid, Zach, because – I've, dip, I've, dip, dip into the bag. I've got like the good, the bad, and the ugly. So where do you want to start? Ooh, I want I want the bad and or ugly because I have a feeling I know who it is and we have to talk about them because no one is talking about how this particular team with high expectations has been awful to start the season. So I'm hoping that's who you're going to pick. So the bad, 
unfortunately, based on what we've seen so far, the Atlanta Hawks, you know. There's the one. That's the one. They you brought him up. They talk about, you know, respect and chip on the shoulder, but then they're in kind of a rut. So, unfortunately, it's been bad. And then the ugly, the Pelicans right now. So should we start? Oh, with the I can't. I can't talk. For, I can't talk about the Pelicans. It's way too depressing to talk that's about. Okay, so that's why. That's so why I wanted to give you a raise. Take your Pelicans notes, and crumple them up, throw them to the garbage can, the but bin? miss the garbage. But miss the garbage can by like five feet because they have nobody who can make a shot. That's what you should do with your Pelicans notes. I can't do it. I can't. They're one in one in eleven. Yes, one I think. in eleven. Their season is. We're about done with meaningful New Orleans Pelicans basketball, and we're 12 games into the season. So throw those notes and away. Brian the Hawks. He came. He came on the show and was like, "Zion is weeks, weeks away," and got got. You know. So you're right. So let's like you said, that was ugly. Maybe the unexpectedly bad. Unfortunately, the Hawks. Well, the Hawks are. How is nobody talking about this? The Hawks are four and eight. Idiots like me predicted the Hawks were going to finish third in the East this year. Third. They're <laughs> four and eight. They're 12th in offense, 27th in defense with the worst slash highest opponent shooting percentage at the rim in the entire league. Their starters can't defend. Their bench can't score. They're a complete mess. What is going on with the Hawks, Janae? I have a question then. Are the Grizzlies the expectation of what you thought the Hawks would be? I'm trying to register that question. Are the Grizzlies? No, the Grizzlies. I I I thought the Grizzlies would be solid this okay. year. So I I thought I thought the Hawks would be like fifty and thirty two or something. Like I thought they would build right off that conference finals appearance. They have a ton of depth. Something again. This is one of those things where it's just like you know it when you see it. You know it when you see a team that's like we all know our identity. We all we all have the mind meld going on. We're all comfortable in our roles. We all know how to play together. And then you know it when you see it when a team's like just a little scatter shot all over the place. They look good for three minutes and bad for three minutes and good for three minutes and just they're fighting themselves a little bit. The Hawks are fighting themselves in a way that I just I, I can't quite figure out why and how. So like what are you seeing? So first of all, I saw the schedule, right? And you've seen teams like the Hornets came out hot and then I think they lost like five straight, four of the last five have been on the road or something like that. And so early on, that's the hardest thing. When I played in Connecticut for the Connecticut Sun, we had at Mohegan Sun, the car show that would happen at the beginning of every year. And so we start the beginning of every year on the road. And that was always a mental challenge for us to start the year really well. And we had to be. I don't get car shows, by the way. Do you ever. Why? Do you want to go look? I don't want to go look at. I'm, I'm, I'm just the wrong audience, I guess. I just. I'm like, OK, there are a lot of cars here. Yeah. I'm not buying any of them. You know, it's a, it's a cool. niche. It's a niche. But like that car show, they pretty much built like the new a whole new building for the car show back in Connecticut, Mohegan. And so, you know, that sort of informed my like, all right, if you're going to win on the road, especially early in the year, you have to be on. And so the Hornets have had a skid. The Hawks have had a skid based on their schedule. Jazz, Warriors, Suns, Jazz again, and Nets. So I can see some of their struggles. But again, like the better teams that are surviving this first 10 or so game stretch are, you know, are the teams that have had capable defenses. And Clint Capella still dealing with you know his health situation trying to get back to 100 percent. he's he doesn't look the same yeah. i'm glad you brought that up he doesn't on either end of the floor his rebounding numbers are down i do think defenses are trying harder to take away his lobs yep. we saw that with gobert a couple of seasons ago but he just doesn't look the same and he was like borderline all-star 
all NBA last year. Yeah, and that's what that's what, and you know, as someone who closely watched the Houston Rockets for a very very long time, I was a huge fan, and I still am a fan of Clint Capella because I firmly believe in positionless basketball. If you have a post, and I think like Rudy Gobert's number one in screen assists. Uh, I don't know. I went down to the rabbit hole. This screen morning. assists are banned. You don't know the rules. Screen assists are bad. Are banned from this podcast. You can't say screen assists. You're talking on to this a podcast. post player that makes her money off of screen assists. Sorry, you're gonna have to have an exception. No, no. You there's just there's no way. I know your agent. There's no way she walks into a meeting. It was like just FYI. Did you know Chanae averages nine point six? If I was a GM, if I was a GM. And an agent was like, let no. me show you some screen assist numbers. I'd be like, you, okay. we're, tra- we're trading your client now. When I say that, I have to expand on my thoughts. Sorry. Sometimes I assume everyone knows what I mean when I say these things. But that's half of the story when you read screen assist. If you are great at screen assist, you're going to pass me the dang ball afterward. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll screen, I'll get you open. But that means I'm open. And so I firmly believe there are guys like Rudy and Clint Capella and downhill center posts who – are trying to figure out face up game, but maybe they will never. Like there's there's a place for them in being effective towards rim, and that's the Clint Capella I fell in love with with the Houston Rockets because if you knew that James Harden, you know when you have a James Harden at the top of the key, Clint Capellas are going to be effective. When you have a Trey Young at the top of the key, Clint Capella should be effective based on how defense is bent. And so you know that experience, I, that's where I see the health. And he being so necessary to anchor that defense and Trey and all these guards talking about, you know, the impact of not getting the calls and Trey a season prior talking about how, hey, I worked at, you know, finishing at the rim. Things have changed quite a bit. And I think those small things have affected Atlanta in a big way. They're allowing a lot of threes on defense. There's a certain softness to their defense that I, I don't, I just can't put my finger on it, but like you could, teams just aren't, afraid uh attacking them and on offense they've gotten too mid-rangey they're like bottom three and threes bottom five and shots at the rim or something like that they're taking a ton of mid-range shots they're a good mid-range team trey young's obviously the king of the floater right now it's just it's there's too much of it and i don't really know i it's funny the hawks are four and eight and the mavs are seven and four and I'm like less worried about the Hawks than I am the Mavs. I, I don't know why, if it's just residual playoff fever that I have, but I think the Hawks will figure it out. Their starting lineup is actually being good. It's plus six per 100 possessions. That makes me a, a little relieved. I think their defense will get better. I, I don't, you know, it should be better than it is. And, and I, I still have faith in their depth. I will say, you know, another team I want to talk about is, is the Suns. Oh, that was my good. I was going to go there. Remember the good, the bad, the Well, no, ugly? let's let's go. Let, the Suns and the Hawks are very interesting are in that they are the both taking. Well, yeah, the, the fight in Kaminsky's. Uh, <laughs> but they both take a, a ton of mid-range jumpers. That's a commonality they have. But the Suns, I wrote about this last year in the playoffs. They have all this beautiful stuff going on around their pick and roll. They got flare screens and cuts. And, like, defenses don't even know which way to turn. And, like, dudes are popping over. I feel like when I watch the Hawks – they could use a little more of that. Yeah. Like they, everyone is just standing around watching Trey and Capella or Trey and Collins or Trey and the, the Collins at center minutes have not been good. I think that'll change too. That's a difference. I feel like they could use just give me a little spice and like some get it popping Warriors a little offense bit. offense with Steph, you know, a lot of misdirection, flares coming towards the ball, flares moving around the ball, uh, not having Steph lead the play so that he can sort of break free and see what happens. I agree. When you have a special shooter, use that as an advantage. Uh, yeah, agree. Because uh, 
So many offenses get stagnant. I was just talking about this with the Lakers late in game. They're super stagnant without LeBron James. And that misdirection at least gives you a, a heads up. So I can. Can we talk? Can we just talk? Can I say a few more things about the Hawks? I just, I do think I have faith in them. Opponents are kill, are shooting really well against them. So they're due for a little bit of better luck. The other thing is like, I just don't like when they have Trey and Collins and Bogdanovich it, and Capella all on the bench together. Like some of their bench lineups, I'm like, who's supposed to score yeah. for this group? I know that Lou Williams is Lou Williams and Gallo's off to I don't know. I just would like a little more stack. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about Atlanta yet. I'm not worried, but they haven't – just something isn't – something's not there. You want to talk about the Suns? Give me your Suns thoughts. Suns Ooh, are on a five-game – Suns are on a six-game winning streak. Excuse me. A six-game winning streak. They beat the Cavs, the Pelicans, the Rockets, the, the aforementioned Hawks, the Kings – and the Blazers, so not exactly a murderer's row. They've had the second easiest schedule in the league. They're seven and three. When they were one and three, I said, I think it was the Van Gundy podcast. I said, I'm not worried about the Suns. The Suns know who they are. They're absolutely rock solid. They seem to have clicked into being that team again. Tenth on offense, just sixteenth on defense, but trending the right way. You mentioned Kaminsky. It's interesting that they've done all this without or much of this without eight yep. and some of it without campaign. Um, I actually don't find Phoenix like that. Well, I was about to say, I don't find Phoenix that interesting to talk about. Let's just say I don't find the on court product of the Phoenix Suns that interesting to talk about because I just feel like I know who they are. They know who they are. They're really good. So sell me on like what, why this is interesting. Well, I'm sort of in the same camp as you like uh, textbook, fundamental, play the right way, have movement, dig down deep. I think they're first in field goal percentage, like 48%. You know, that just always is an indicator of taking the right shots and being, making sure you don't get too high on certain games, not getting too low on certain games. I, I think this is a good segue from Atlanta because rotations matter. And if you're able to have Chris Paul do what Chris Paul does in the fourth, that means you have the right rotations or at least getting him the right rest at the right time. And I think it's like the, what you bring up with Aiton is, is also fascinating because, you know, there's a little bit of, what's the word, a little razzle-dazzle there based on the way the season is set up and the money situation. But what Frank has sort of highlighted is Frank's ability to get to certain spots and that being effective in a quick way. And it's like, okay, how do you like bring that in so that that's Aiton each and every night as well when he's able to be back out there? I think that's gonna be interesting to see how that flows. But this is this is just a team that knows who they are, knows that they are, you know, at, at this point in the NBA, it's almost like the Utah Jazz too. Like we know based on what we have accomplished in the postseason that we can step in and beat teams that we're supposed to beat. Like this is the steps of maturation of, when you make expectations for teams and their regular season records, I'm not surprised to see the Suns consistent from that regard because sometimes less is more. And and maybe that's why they're not sexy per se to always talk about, but that's why they win games. Yeah, I just – I'm not – even the 16s in defense, like they were top six or seven last year, but then you look at the numbers, their teams are shooting 45% on open threes against them, which is the highest number in the league. Like they've gotten really bad shooting luck. And I do believe that's a lot of bad luck because this is a sound defense that knows how to play. Like, I think this is going to be a top 10 defense and a borderline, if not easily, top 10 offense. Again, their starting lineup has been bad. 
but it started off bad last year, and basically every other, you know, like with Paul only on the floor. Like this is the stat I monitored last year, the Paul Booker yes. on-off stats. And, and it started off when they were together last season. It started off really bad, and then they would take off when one of them would hit the bench. And by the end, they had found some chemistry together. Well, together they're good. Chris only they're good. Devin only they're good. I just like I just feel like this, Bridges has been sensational. Um, Cam Johnson hasn't got going yet. Paul and Booker are, not, are like off to just eh, starts mm-hmm. by their standards. I just think this team is wind them up. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to make you beat them. They don't beat themselves. I I I just that's it. There's we're talking about them because they're on a six game winning streak and that's great and that's cool and they're streaking and we talk about streaks. They're just they are in the words of uh, Dennis Smith. They are was it Dennis Smith? Dennis Green? Who was the coach of the Vikings? They are who we thought they were. And. and- you're absolutely correct. You know, um, they don't beat themselves. And in the NBA, especially early on, that's a great team to have, you know. Um, and, you know, we're not remiss. Uh, to, we can't we can't ignore the fact that there's a lot going on with that organization. And it's truly a testament to the stability and the, I guess you can say, the system on court that they have built that has been productive for them to step in each and every night and still produce. So that's why I said it's good for those players to go out there and play, be consistent, and still find a way to get wins. I was impressed with this. What is it, six-game six game win streak? Six-game streak. Aiton, I, I think Aiton will be fine. Like, I think Aiton will come back and play like he did last year and give us give us 16 and 10, shoot a high percentage. Like, I, I don't worry about Aiton. He's solid. He's good. And look, if people want to hear about the Robert Sarver stuff, I did a podcast last week with Baxter Holmes who reported the story. We talked about all that, so I'm not ignoring that. We talked about all that. The initial reaction to that, it's all still filing in. Baxter and I talked a little bit about that last week. But as you said, Janae, between Monty Williams and Chris Paul and even Devin Booker, who's emerging as one of the good young leaders and stable locker room guys in the league, like they're pretty well-wired to just shove that aside, let the league investigation do what it does. And, you know, obviously there's going to be news. There was already news. Baxter reported yesterday that Robert Sarver's wife is sending threatening text messages yeah, to that. people, which is which is uh, not, a, not a great move on nope. any level. Um, and so they're going to – but this is a team that I think is wired the right way to just sort of keep playing basketball. And, and do their and job. The six game, yeah, six-game winning streak. Can't argue with it. That's it's it. A that's, weird, that's my list. It's been a weird season. I feel like there's just been a lot of up and down teams, a lot of four game winning streaks followed by four game losing streaks. A lot of teams that I'm kind of confused by, especially the Mavs I know, the, and the, the Hawks you're right stuck now. On the Mavs. <laughs> I'm stuck on the Mavs, but but I just it's been a weird season. Well, Chanae, I'm gonna see you in Los Angeles next week, hopefully for uh, NBA today. Fingers crossed. I always love when you come into town. And uh, I look forward to it. Thank you for a little time on the old Low Post podcast. And uh, maybe we'll have another grab bag of random teams next week because it sure, sure are a lot of weird random teams this year. Chanea Gumake, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, Zach. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. 
claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.